0: What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast here on this Taco Tuesday. I gotta admit, I had a completely different open all ready to go. I stayed up, I watched the game, I saw Matt Kemp get the go-ahead RBI in the top of the ninth, and I also saw Iglesias hang that pitch over the middle, and Jack Peterson get his revenge for the 2015 Home Run Derby. So the Reds dropped the first game of the series to the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium. Luis Castillo ended up getting a no decision in this game. He pitched to a decent line. He did walk five batters, but he had seven strikeouts, and he pitched five innings. They were a labor because of those five walks, but overall an okay game for him. We're gonna talk a little bit more about that game here in just a moment. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on all your major podcast platforms. Check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And then look up Lockdownreds.com. Had a couple of articles go up just yesterday. As Dave Pemberton wrote about what the Reds have done up to this point and how they can improve. And also a look at the bullpen written by Clay Snowden. So definitely check those out. Unfortunately, the bullpen is what failed the Reds on Monday night as Rysella Glacius came in, promptly walked the leadoff batter in the bottom of the ninth, and then spun up a pitch that Jack Peterson just absolutely crushed over the right field wall to walk off at Chavez Ravine. He even threw the bat. he knew he crushed it. And Puig and Shebler both just kind of jogged over the wall, but they weren't going to be able to get to it as the Reds fell five to four to the Dodgers. And Got to admit, a little bit of a live and learn here, <laughs> kind of running on fumes after watching this whole game. May not be able to do this on the regular basis with these West Coast games. I'll try and do it as much as possible to give a good recap of the game. But all in all, you had some nice drama in the first inning with Yasiel Puig crushing a two-run home run off of Clayton Kershaw, gave the Reds an early two-nothing lead but due to the you know the, the the troubles for Castillo i mean it it's tough to say that he had a rough outing he didn't really have a rough outing he just had the kind of outing that you got to fight through and as an ace when you get those outings it's can you limit the damage, and he did. You know, he gave up a number of base runners this time. He didn't keep it down to the way that he's been doing, because they they prefaced his start before tonight by saying that no pitcher has ever gone four straight starts of you know shutout baseball with two hits or less and you know that's one of those really finite stats that it sounds really cool but also kind of sounds half made up at the same time but it was nice to see you know obviously we're all talking about Luis Castillo and his performances and uh, even tonight doesn't change my opinion of him he is definitely the Reds ace and definitely a candidate for some more money but we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But the Reds as a whole just i mean on the offensive side of the ball really made Clayton Kershaw feel right at home. Uh, There were a number of at-bats that were only one or two pitches long. They were really trying to swing at early pitches. I'm not sure if they thought he was going to lob up fastballs. That's not his MO anymore. He can't run that fastball up there like he used to. So he's mainly a junk pitcher and they just weren't making solid contact. A lot of times they were looking silly on the big hook, which, I mean, Clayton Kershaw has done that to just about every major league hitter that he's ever faced, so I can't really fault them there. But there were some situations that I felt like they could have been a little bit more patient on, and they just weren't able to do that. You know, some good on the side of Castillo, getting to see his changeup working, Max Muncy you know, just really being frustrated by it and things like that. And then a couple of good plays by Jose Iglesias in the field. But at the end of the day, the Reds fall to the Dodgers 5-4. to four. I would be remiss to talk about the game and not mention probably the funniest part. Well, definitely the funniest part. And definitely the thing that got social media in an uproar. Not Not in a negative way. I think it was more in kind of jest, just because of who it was. Luis Castillo, I believe it was his first at-bat against Clayton Kershaw, had worked a great count. He had worked the count full. And really, side note, when it comes to pitcher at-bats, I think that a pitcher has a successful at-bat if he can force the other pitcher, to throw three, you know, more than three pitches. If he doesn't get struck out on three pitches, if he is able to force the other guy to get deeper into the count, that's a win for me. And Luis Castillo had worked that. He had worked it to a full count. And on the sixth pitch, Kershaw, you know, throws it up there and Castillo makes, you know, kind of not solid contact, but enough contact that... In his mind, he fouled it off. What really happened was he hit a bloop into shallow right field. But because he thought it was a foul ball and he didn't do the age-old principle, you know, you're taught in the Little League that if you make contact with the ball, whether it's fair or foul, you run to first until the umpire tells you it's a foul. He didn't run. And when he looked up, he thought for sure he'd hit a foul ball. And then he sees Cody Bellinger running in, picking up the ball, and throwing it into first. And what would have been a bloop single turned into just a simple 9-3 to putout. But it was funny to see Derek Johnson was giving him crap whenever he got back to the dugout. Like, man, you got to run to first. Like, come on, that was a hit. But he's uh, definitely, that's going to be something that no matter what he does on the mound, his teammates are totally going to razz him for that for a very long time. Real quick, while I'm thinking of it, make sure you check out Locked On Major League Baseball. It is the league-wide podcast that is hosted by Sully Baseball that takes a look at what's going on around the league in 15 minutes or less, and a nice sample size for you there each and every day. That way you keep up with what's going on around the Reds and the National League Central. And, you know, even within the National League Central, I can tell you right now, Christian Yelich had three home runs against the Cardinals last night as the Brewers just scored at will against St. Louis and beat them on Monday night. But definitely check out Locked On Major League Baseball. Sully Baseball got a great podcast going on there. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has an introductory offer for the Locked On Reds listeners. You just go to BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, and enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. You just pay $5 in shipping, and it gets sent straight to your door. What BlueChew is is a generic form of Viagra. It has the same same, uh, active ingredient as viagra and cialis and it's in a chewable form so it works faster it's the kind of thing that if you want a performance boost in the bedroom it's going to get you what you want in a quick way that's bluechew.com enter promo code mlb for a free introductory offer bluechew.com is a sponsor of the locked on roads podcast and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode you're listening to the Locked on Reds podcast on this Taco Tuesday. Tonight, the Reds and the Dodgers square off for another late one as the Reds will be running up on the mound. Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley's yet to have a decision in this young season, but he does have a 0.08, or a 0.82 ERA. He will be opposed by Kenta Maeda. Maeda does have two wins and one loss with a 4.76 ERA for the Dodgers, so the Reds will look to get back on the winning track after losing two straight against the Dodgers Tuesday night. Real quickly, I do want to get to a couple of listener questions. This is, uh, we're going to tentatively call this the call to the bullpen, the listener mailbag uh, portion of the show, and I'm going to lead off with a question that I got on Twitter. This one came from Jojo Jammer with the question and you know kind of started off with a statement disco and home runs go hand in hand these days who right now would be first in line to be called up and I think if if we're looking at it as maybe the Reds make a decision and I don't think they will but if the Reds were to make a move before Alex Wood is ready to pitch and they would call someone up to replace Disco. Disco does have options. They could send him down to work on some things. I think the first guy to be called up would be Sal Romano. I think they base that off of last year. They, they put a lot of weight on what a guy does the year before. That's evidenced by how many pinch hit at-bats on this early season that they've given to Michael Lorenzen, but... I think Sal Romano would be the first guy to get the call to, you know, hypothetically replace Anthony Di in this case. Now, I will mention, I think that, you know, they're going to err on the side of patience with Disco. I know that we have been, at least as a fan base, have been disheartened by his performances, especially his last performance. But, all in all, I think they still give him probably three or four more starts before they're willing to make you know pull the trigger on m- making a change. I'm not saying that this is the same type of coaching staff decision that they made with Homer Bailey last year and that they just wouldn't move on from him. As bad as he was, they just kept running him out there every five days. I don't think that's what we're going to see. I think if after three or four starts we're still seeing the same thing from Disco, then I think they will move to make a change and send him down to work on some stuff. But ultimately, I think we're still going to see Disco up here, at least until Alex Wood is back healthy. And that'll be an interesting you know, discussion, is what happens with Tyler Malley? If Disco is still pitching this way, say, in two starts, and Alex Wood is ready to come back, I will be interested to see what the Reds do, because they have an argument. Because Tyler Malley, as I mentioned before, he's been pitching phenomenal. He doesn't have a decision yet, but he's just been phenomenal in his performances. And I'm saying the word phenomenal a lot tonight. Sorry, guys. Like I said, on fumes. But... I think there is a legitimate argument to be made to keep Mally up and keep this momentum rolling because as he's pitching right now, if you send him down to AAA, there's nothing that's going to be gained from that. You're basically just sending him down to say, we still want you to pitch every fifth day, but we're happy with what you've done so far. So I think the decision continues to get more and more interesting with the way that Disco is pitching. But I appreciated that question, Jojo Jammer. And then the next one, um, also from Twitter, came from Jermilton. Milton. Drew Milton asked, what are the Reds going to do with Zach Duke? And that's an interesting thought, right? Because Zach Duke has been brought in here. He was really the only major league free agent signing by the Reds this offseason. Now, that's not to say that's the only move they've done. Obviously, they did a lot. But he was the only major league free agent signing that they had and he was more or less brought in here to be the loogie to be the one left-handed guy that you want to put up against the other team's best left-handed hitter and make sure that you neutralize that guy zach duke hasn't done that zach duke has probably the worst performances so far out of this bullpen and maybe on this pitching staff because What he is supposed to do is to get that guy out. They bring him in for one batter. He's supposed to get him out. There's been so many cases where they bring him in for one guy, and he gives up a walk or he gives up a hit, and he just completely implodes. So I I, I don't know how long they give him because they signed him to a one-year, $2 million deal. That's not as if they're making a huge commitment to him, but at the same time they have, you know, basically stated that he is their their loogie, their left-handed dude. And honestly, from my fans' perspective, I can look and I can say, look, Cody Reed is going to give us exactly what he's giving us, if not better. He's going to be better than Zach Duke, probably. The only thing that I may be missing, I may be missing the big picture. They might be working Cody Reed back into a starter's role. I'm not sure. So there's that thought. But on the other end of the spectrum, they could send him down or, you know, just get rid of Zach Duke and bring up a fifth bench option. And that maybe even seems more plausible because you could bring up Phil Irvin or that would leave an open spot to bring up Senzel and you don't have to get rid of another bench guy because as we've seen in the early going, it is very key To have as many bench people as you, you never know what's going to happen. You could have somebody get ejected. You could have somebody get plunked by a pitch and they have to leave the game. You never know. I feel like five bench players is far more valuable than eight relievers. I'm not going to get too much more deeper into that. I talked about that in an episode before the season began. But overall, I think you have to be very concerned with Zach Duke. And you have to see where they're going to take that. So that's all the time we have for questions today. I did want to give a quick update before we end the show. They're saying that Alex Wood is progressing along in his rehab. He is slated to pitch a bullpen session this weekend and depending on how that goes he may be put out on a rehab assignment. We might be able to see him here pretty soon. They still don't have a firm timetable, but they they are reporting that there are no setbacks this time. He's had a couple of setbacks since the initial injury during spring training, which is what has taken him so long and the reason that they're very non-committal about exactly when he's going to be back, but it sounds like it's going to be sooner rather than later. And then also on the Nick Senzel front as well, more encouraging news there. He's played a extended spring training game. I think it was three innings today, and he's going to just keep ramping up and then probably play a few games at AAA before being called up to the big league. So Wood and Senzel are getting poised to come back. Scooter obviously is still shut down. They still haven't even got him on a rehab assignment yet. We're still easily a month away, maybe more. Before we're even thinking about Scooter back in the lineup, but it will be nice to have him back as well. That is Tuesday's episode for you. Thanks you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. Check me out on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and at Locked On Reds. Also, subscribe to this podcast on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the new Himalaya Podcast app. Himalaya is a great new way to listen to your podcast. They have personally curated playlists with which you can put together all kinds of great podcasts, and uh, they suggest new ones for you. It's a great user interface, very user-friendly. Definitely check that out. Also go to LockdownReds.com to see the great articles written by Dave Pemberton and Clay Snowden, and, you know, get ready for the Reds game tonight. It's going to be another late-night game. Like I mentioned, Tyler Malley is on the mound. He's going to face the Dodgers, and Quinta Maeda. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.